Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Hey guys, I'm Mel Massingale, lead pastor of Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. If you're watching this, it's probably because you're part of our online church. And uh, we started something uh, for the month of July where we're doing at the movies. And because we're doing at the movies at Summit Church, uh, we don't have the right to uh, show the clips online and we don't want to leave our online audience out in the cold so we are uh, doing something very special for you we're actually doing something that we're kind of loosely calling our best of series or our greatest hits and we're taking the the, the different um, sermons that were the highest viewed and we're showing those during the month of july so the sermon you're going to see today is from a sermon series we did back in january of 2016 it was from a series called anchored and we went through different prayers in scripture i'm really excited because the prayer you're going to hear that we talk about today is from the book of habakkuk and it's such a powerful prayer that i really believe can change your life so what i'd love for you to do is just lean in and listen to this message and i'm praying that god will bless you as you uh, as you listen to the word of god uh, even though it's from over a year ago, I know that God's still got a word for you today from it. So thank you for worshiping with us. If you live in the Indian area, get to Summit Church. Come watch at the movies with us, worship with us. If not, uh, stay locked in right there and uh, and take a look at Anchored uh, as we talk about Habakkuk. God bless you. We are continuing our series today on prayer. Um, week one, we talked about prayer, kind of 101, basics of prayer. And we talked about the identity of God, who he is. It helps us pray differently and pray better, if you will. Last week, we talked about the Lord's Prayer, probably one of the most famous prayers in Scripture, as, as Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. We walked through that together. And today, I wanna share one of my favorite prayers with you in Scripture. <clears throat> it's uh, the prayer of Habakkuk. And I know right now, some of you are so excited because you're like, yes, Habakkuk. No? Okay, maybe not. Um, Habakkuk is, is a little book of the Bible. It's only three chapters long. Uh, Habakkuk was a minor prophet, um, not because what he had to say was less valuable, but really just because the length of what he wrote. <clears throat> and and his, the book he wrote was really unique because in most of the prophetic books, what happens is God speaks to the prophet, the prophet speaks to the people, and then the prophet will speak to God. Okay, That's kind of the pattern. But what we see in Habakkuk is different because uh, God speaks to the prophet, the prophet speaks to God, but he doesn't really communicate that to the people except through this, this book, except through Scripture. Um, and so it's a little different. When you look at the, the breakdown of Habakkuk, the first two chapters of Habakkuk are him complaining to God and griping. And I know none of you do that because you're too spiritual, but Habakkuk, that guy, what a pagan. He was, he was griping to God about his circumstances. And so that's what happened during basically the first two chapters. It's him just going, God, why do you hate us? Like, you must not love us very much. You wouldn't treat us like this. Um, but culturally, what was going on at the time is the nation of Israel had split into two kingdoms. It was the northern kingdom of Israel. It was the southern kingdom of Judah. And what had happened is the northern kingdom had been taken over and dispersed. And basically the northern kingdom didn't exist at that point. And so it was the southern kingdom of Judah. And their power was on the decline. The Babylonian empire was beginning to rise. And the, the nation of Judah, who formerly the nation of Israel, Judah was lost. Habakkuk looked around and he saw the people in his nation and just said, God, we're wicked. We're evil. Why don't you bring judgment on us? And he was 
asking that question. And so that's where we'll pick it up today. This morning we'll pick it up in Habakkuk chapter one, verse two, and this is what it says. It says, oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save. So he says, God, I'm praying to you that you're gonna do something about the circumstances in our land. Look at our country, God. Look at the people. They're clearly lost. Why don't you do something about it? And that's what he's asking. And in many ways, we could do the same thing with the United States. We look at our country, and we're considered a Christian nation, but really when we look at how our nation functions and, and what we do and the values of the people, we have to ask ourselves, are we really a Christian nation? Because it doesn't look like it. And so there's times that I, I go, God, what is going on with our country? Bring us back to you, right? And we pray prayers like this. And, and this is the cry of Habakkuk's heart. God, do something about this. These people aren't honoring you. Um, last week in the Lord's Prayer, we talked about hallowed be your name. And basically, the nation of Judah was not revering the name of God. They were worshiping false gods. And Habakkuk had had enough. He was frustrated. And the thing I like about this is that we see that God isn't threatened by our questions. God's not threatened by our doubts. God, not, God is not threatened by our wondering, going, God, are you even hearing me? Are you even there? You see, our God is a big God. He is not insecure. There are, there are people that are insecure when they start being questioned, but our God's not like that. God is a big God. And so when we go, God, what is going on with this world? I don't understand. God, why would you stand back and let some of these things happen? God's not threatened by that. Because what happens is, what should happen is our questions lead us to God. Our questions and doubts can help us understand the heart of God even better if we'll push through. The problem happens when we question and then we rest in that question. When we go, God, are you even a good God? Do you even love us? And then we resolve ourselves to the fact that maybe God's not a good God and he doesn't love us. Because what happens then is, is people go through a circumstance in their life, they go through difficulty, um, and, and they go, God must not be a good God. They question God, they land there, and then they pull away from God, they pull away from the church, they pull away from godly relationships, and then they wonder why God doesn't seem to be present, and it's because the relationship with God is blocked because of what's going on in your life. Does that make sense? So questions don't bother God, but what happens when we land on those questions and we rest there is, relationship gets blocked. And that's not what God wants for us at all. So I'm thankful that God is open to us questioning. But the problem with asking those questions sometimes is we don't always like the answer. So Habakkuk asks this question, God, where's the judgment? Where is, where is your holy righteousness? Why aren't you doing something about this? And, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing this, but God basically says, oh, don't worry, Judgment's on its way in the form of the Babylonians. I'm gonna send the Babylonians and they're gonna bring my judgment upon you. And I can imagine Habakkuk going, well, wait, wait a second, God, wait, let's talk this through. Maybe, maybe there's an easier form of judgment or maybe we can learn our lesson without so much pain or so much difficulty. Haven't you ever wondered that before? Like you've gone through a situation, you're like, God, I'm learning this lesson, but I wish I would have learned it without so much pain, right? And so that's kind of where Habakkuk is. He's going, God, well, why would you, why would you do that? I, I don't want the Babylonians to, to come upon us. And you actually see in, in their discourse together, God says that, that some nations rely on their God. So some nations, when they're going into battle, would go, okay, they'd go to their false gods and go, God, help us with this battle. But the Babylonians didn't even have to do that because they're, they're 
military power was so mighty that they could just rely on their military to roll in and, and sweep over a nation. So we pick it up in Habakkuk 1.13. <clears throat> And this is, again, Habakkuk talking to God. He's heard God's response, and he hears that the Babylonians are coming, and this is what he says in Habakkuk 1.13 to the Lord. You who are pure eyes, or of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? This is what he's asking. He's saying, God, yes, we're bad, but aren't they worse than we are? Right? He's saying, God, why would, you, why would you bless them and let us be cursed? We're your people. <laughs> why are you allowing them to prosper? Their kingdom is exploding, but here we are, and you're gonna use them? They're evil. They're way more evil than we are, right? And we've talked about this before, but when we get into a place of comparison, it, pride starts to creep in because all of a sudden what we do is we go, well, yeah, I'm a sinner, but I'm not as bad as that guy. Wow. I would never do anything like that. And so we start to compare ourselves, and this is where Habakkuk is at. He's going, God, wait a second. We're supposed to be your people. And why are you treating us this way? Why would you pass judgment on us and use the Babylonians to do it? That doesn't seem right. See, sometimes in our life we walk through suffering and we go, God, I've been going to church lately. I've, I've even started giving financially and I'm thinking about being a part of a small group and God, I'm being more involved and why have you left me here? Why am I struggling? Why are we having problems? Why are we having issues? And this isn't always the case, so please hear me. This is not always the case, but in this circumstance, God was sending suffering by way of the Babylonians to the nation of Judah to bring correction in their lives. He was doing it to correct their path. They had gotten off the path. They were heading in the wrong direction. And God said, no, 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 we need to correct this thing. We need to get you to the right destination. And I've talked about this before. We all have GPSs now. And they, if you don't, if you got a smartphone, there's a GPS on your smartphone. Just so, just heads up. Um, and so what happens though is you'll put in your destination, here's where I wanna go, and you'll set it up and it'll tell you the directions how to get there. Like it's crazy because we don't even know how to get anywhere anymore because our, our phones tell us everywhere to go. So we'll listen to the phone, we'll say take a right turn here in 200 feet, take a left, and you follow the directions. But have you ever thought you're smarter than the GPS? I have. I'm like, ah, oh, this GPS, what does it know? I'm going this way. And then I'm like, whoa, I don't know where I'm at. And I thought this was quicker. And what the GPS does is it will correct you. It'll say, at the next intersection, take a right, or please do U-turn, or whatever it is. It tries to get you on the right path. And none of us pull out our phones and go, stupid GPS, trying to rule my life, and we throw it out the window. We don't do that. You know why? Because the GPS is just simply trying to get us to our preferred destination. And this is what God does when he brings correction into our life. He's not trying to crush us. He's not trying to punish us. He's just simply helping us get to our chosen destination in life, the preferred place that we want to be. God is trying to help us. And so Habakkuk was looking at the Babylonians going, God, you hate us. Why would you do this? And God's saying, no, 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 no. I love you. I'm going to send correction through the Babylonians to get you on the right path. Is it painful? Yeah, it's painful. But it's more painful to end up where you don't want to be. And so sometimes in our lives, God will send correction through suffering. We'll walk through a difficult season, 
And we'll be like, God, what is going on? And then we'll look back later and realize that difficult season brought us into alignment with God. That difficult season brought us into the right path with the Lord so that we could get to our chosen destination. Just like we don't curse the GPS, we shouldn't curse God. We shouldn't get frustrated and angry with God because God is simply trying to help us get to our chosen destination, our preferred path. That's where he's trying to take us. And this is what God was, was doing through the Babylonians. See, have you ever had your kids, and if you've got kids, you understand this, maybe if, if you had this conversation with your parents, but have you ever had a conversation where maybe your kid said something like, why don't I get to do that? They get to do that. And then I will inevitably respond, they're not my kids. I don't care what they do. Their parents can let them do whatever they want. But you are my child, and I'm gonna make sure I do what's best for you. And this is almost the way God approaches this. When, when Habakkuk says, what about the Babylonians? They're even worse than we are. It's almost as if God was saying, I don't care about the Babylonians. I'm gonna deal with them in good time. But you are my child. You are my people. I'm concerned about you. So it's frustrating sometimes when we're in the workplace and we see a coworker who we know cheats or lies to clients prosper and get the sales, or we have a competitor in business that, that does things in a little bit of a shady way, they seem to be prospering, and we're doing things the right way, we're grinding it out and doing what God's called us to do, and we can't seem to get ahead. Maybe you've got a, a friend or a loved one in your life that they don't serve God, they don't go to church, they're so far from God, it's ridiculous, but you see God blessing their lives, and here you are going to church, serving God, trying to do the right thing, and you're like, God, what is going on? I can't even seem to get ahead. Why, why are they prospering? And I can't seem to prosper. See, sometimes we get our eyes off the right thing and God's going, I'm not concerned about them, I'm concerned about you. I'll take care of them, but I'm concerned about you. See, we need to make sure we're doing what God has called us to do. We're being faithful to what God has called us to be faithful to. This is what it says in Habakkuk chapter two, verse two. It says, and the Lord answered me, write the vision Make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And then verse four says, Behold, his soul is talking about Babylon. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. So this is, this is what God says. And you might have heard this verse before in conjunction with vision. So like when we talk about the vision of our church is every life made different. Um, sometimes you hear people talk about, well, hey, we make that vision plain, make it clear so that people can run with it. But that's not really what it's talking about. In the, in the context of this verse, uh, the vision is the prophetic word. And the prophetic word that had come was that basically... God would send a savior, ultimately being Jesus, and that in the short term, Babylon would get theirs, if I can say it that way. Babylon would have judgment come upon them, but it would be a while. And so what God is saying to Habakkuk is, hey, hey, don't forget, I, I know where Babylon is. I know what they're doing. They're gonna get theirs, just wait, okay? So the prophetic word has gone forth, don't forget that. And, and one of the scholars that I read, it was talking about... Um, 
that first part where it says, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. One of the reasons it talks about the, the, they may run who reads it is because as the nation of Babylon would come in, many people fled Jerusalem and fled Judah to get away from the wrath of the Babylonians. So he's saying, hey, you know what? The Babylonians are coming. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be hard, but they're gonna get theirs in the end. I haven't forgotten about Babylon, but I'm using them to correct you and make you better in the short run. God, that's a hard thing to say. That's a hard thing to do, right? Even when you know what the right thing is, the right thing is still usually the hard thing. And then it says in verse four, the last part says, but the righteous shall live by his faith. This is just a reminder that our faith in the Lord is what sustains us through difficult times. That is what anchors us to the Lord. When we know who God is, when we know his faithfulness, when we know his goodness, we anchor ourselves in that and we weather the storms and the suffering that we endure in the short term. That's what God was saying to Habakkuk. You know what, it's gonna get bad, it's gonna be ugly, but your faith will sustain you through this. Habakkuk chapter three, we see in the first two chapters, it's Habakkuk just griping and complaining and just being a baby in general about where they're at and what's going on in their lives. And I don't know how much time passes from the beginning of the chapter one to the beginning of chapter three, but we see this, this transformation happen in Habakkuk's life. And he goes from being fairly selfish to praying this prayer that I'm gonna share with you that really is powerful. He goes in his view from God uh, it just transforms how he sees the Lord and it transforms how he prays. So let me share this with you. This is Habakkuk chapter three, verse two. This is Habakkuk praying here and it says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. In the NIV, it says it this way. It says, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. So this is what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, God, I have not experienced all the incredible things that I've heard about. Because at that time, they had heard the stories of God's provision and God's protection and God's deliverance from Egypt when the nation of Israel came out of Egypt and they wandered in the wilderness and God, God split the sea and allowed them to cross on dry land and he did all the incredible miracles. Habakkuk says, I've heard about the incredible things you've done, God. I've heard about how good you are, but I have not really experienced that firsthand. But God, do it again. Let us see you work that way again. Let us see you provide and protect and deliver in that same way again. And today, I think a lot of us are in that place. Maybe you've heard stories of miraculous healings. Maybe you've heard stories of marriages being restored miraculously and people's lives being put back together. You've heard stories of people's uh, addiction just falling off them in a moment of prayer. You've heard stories uh, of God doing incredible miracles, but you've never experienced it, you've never seen it. And something I've been praying is, God, let us see you work those ways. Let us not just have church 
but let us experience the supernatural in this place. Let us experience you doing the miraculous in this place. I don't wanna just live my life hearing stories of how good you have been and what you used to do, but God, I wanna experience it in the here and now. And this is what Habakkuk is saying too. He's saying, God, let us experience that again. Let us experience everything you did before. Let us see that at work again. We wanna know you in that way. And that's my prayer for this church. That's my prayer for uh, the, the, G, the church of Jesus, his bride, that we will experience God in ways that maybe we thought were reserved for years past, but really they're for today. In this last statement of verse two, he says, in wrath, remember mercy. And again, this is him just bracing himself a little bit and just kind of holding on and saying, God, I, I know judgment is on its way and I know judgment is coming but, but in your wrath, be merciful. Be, be kind to us in your wrath. Be, be gentle to us in your wrath. The next few verses, he <clears throat> goes through the character of God, the nature of God, who God is, and he begins talking about some of the things that he's done in the past. And this is where we'll pick it up in Habakkuk 3.12. It says, this is talking about God. It says, you marched through the earth in fury, you threshed the nations in anger. And when it talks about anger, God doesn't lose his temper. This is a righteous anger where he is bringing judgment on those who deserve it. Verse 13 says, you went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. And this is a reference to Pharaoh in Egypt. <clears throat> Verse 14 says, you pierced with his own arrows, the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. Now listen to this. Verse 16 says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. See, <clears throat> Habakkuk sees what's on the horizon. He sees what's coming. And he says, I know this judgment is inevitable, Lord, and I feel it in my bones. I, I feel this, this, um, this ache that I know what's coming and I can't stop it. But I know also, God, that you are a righteous judge and that although the Babylonians are gonna bring judgment on us, you're gonna bring judgment on them ultimately. So God, I'm gonna wait patiently through this storm. I'm gonna wait patiently through this season because I trust you. Now, I haven't even gotten to the good part yet, but what an incredible change has happened in Habakkuk's life. See, this is, this is the change I wanna see for every one of us, not just you, but for me as well. That when suffering comes my way, I don't just complain about it. I don't just gripe about it. I don't just think, poor me, why does God hate me? Why is God blessing them and not me? I can't believe it. But I will say, God, I don't know why this is happening, but I trust you anyway. This is what it says in the last part, as it wraps up. This is how Habakkuk ends his, his book. In verse 17, it says, though the fig tree should not blossom, 
nor fruit be on the vines. The produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Now, I just want to paint this picture. What he's saying is, he's trying to describe the circumstances. And he says, the circumstances are bleak. There is nothing to eat. The fields are barren. There are no, there are no stocks to eat. The cattle is gone. We have nothing. This is the picture. And some of you feel like you're there because of the situations of your life, the circumstances of your life. But this is where it turns in verse 18 and he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. This is what Habakkuk is saying. He's saying, God, in spite of the circumstances of my life, I know you are good. Because what happens sometimes is we, we're not evil, but sometimes we let the circumstances of our life dictate our level of worship. And what Habakkuk is saying is, God, I will not let the circumstances of my life dictate my level of worship. I'm gonna worship you no matter what happens in my life because you are good. The circumstances of my life don't determine how good you are. You are good no matter what. Because you are good, I choose to worship you. I choose to walk through this season, through this struggle, through this suffering in a way that you can be glorified because you are good no matter what. And when we can get to that place as believers, and believe me, I'm not there, but when we can get to that place as believers, what peace we have walking through storms. Because sometimes when we're walking through a storm, we want God to calm the storm. Most of the time, God wants to calm us in the midst of the storm. And that's what God wants to do. God wants to move us to the place that when we're walking through suffering, we can do it in a way that doesn't shake us from where we are, that doesn't move us from where we are, where we can be a rock and walk through situations in a way that can be glorifying to him. See, one of the things I love about Habakkuk is that evil looked overwhelming. Evil looked overpowering. But he said, God, you are sovereign, and I trust you. And that's what God's asking us to do today. See, the situations of your life might seem overwhelming. You look at your bank account. You look at your background check. You look at um, your credit. You look at what your boss says or what your ex-spouse says or whatever it might be, and you feel like, God, I can't move forward. My situation is hopeless. But what we have to understand is our God is sovereign. Our God is able. Our God is big. And he can bring you through your suffering. He can bring you through your pain. And sometimes, no, I'll take that back. Every time he wants to use that suffering for his glory. Sometimes he uses it to bring correction in your life. But every time we encounter suffering, he wants to use it for his glory, if you'll let him. Let's pray together. God, I love you because you are good. And I'm thankful. But Lord, you don't answer every one of my prayers the way I want you to, but you are good in spite of that. And God, I don't, I don't always understand why you do what you do, but I do know you are good. So God, let me rest in that. Let me remember that in my difficult days. Lord, when I'm 
struggling to understand, God, let me be reminded how good you really are. God, speak into us, Lord. Let us hear from you over these next few moments. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask you today, if you're here and you don't really have a relationship with Jesus, but you'd like to, you wanna make him Lord of your life, you wanna begin a relationship with him today or maybe restart a relationship with him today, if that's you, I wanna give you that opportunity. And I'm not gonna make you come forward. I don't wanna embarrass you, but I do wanna pray with you right where you're at. And so if you're here today and you say, Mel, that's me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life. I wanna put him in control. I wanna reconnect with the Lord. If that's you, would you just put your hand up real high where I can see it and say, that's me, pray for me, Mel. Thanks, over here on my far right. Who else says, that's me, pray for me. Thanks, up in the balcony. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? You say, that's me. Pray for me today, Mel. Okay. I'd like everyone to repeat this really simple prayer after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin on the cross. Because of your death, I can live. I accept you as Lord and I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, come on, let's give God a round of applause this morning. Thank you, Jesus. You're a good God. We love you, Lord. Now listen, if you're here today and you say, uh, Mel, I'm a Christian, but <clears throat> man, sometimes I struggle praying that prayer, you know, like Habakkuk prayed, God, in spite of the circumstances, I trust you. God, no matter what the circumstances are, I'm gonna trust you. If you struggle praying that sometimes, and I, I'm with you on this, but if that's you and you'd like me to pray for you, why don't you just put your hand up real high, just as confession, say, it's me. I need help with that sometimes. Yeah, a lot of us. Let's just pray together. Lord, I thank you that you are good and you are sovereign and we can trust you. And Lord, I pray right now, for each of us in this room that raised their hand, the Lord, that we need help growing in our faith to the point that we can trust you in spite of our circumstances, in spite of what we see, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us and equip us to, to live out a life that we don't just confess that you are sovereign, but God, we believe truly in our heart that you are sovereign and that you are good. So God, I pray today for us to take a step forward in our faith, that we would trust you more as we know your heart, as we hear from you more. Let us know you more. Let us trust you more. And God, let us truly be able to pray prayers like Habakkuk prayed and said, in spite of the circumstances, in spite of what I see, I choose to trust you and I choose to, to follow you because you are good. So God, let us have that kind of heart. Let us have that kind of maturity, God. Help us become that. Lord, this world needs believers like that, Father. So I pray that we would rise up as a church, as your followers, as believers, to become the people of God who will truly impact our city, impact our nation, impact our world, to see every life made different for your glory, Lord. I love you, and I thank you for what you're doing. In your name we pray, amen. Now listen, this is what's gonna happen now. Our prayer team is gonna come to the front as we worship one last time. Our worship team's gonna lead us, and our prayer team's available on either side of the stage.
to pray with you about whatever your need is. So if you're here today and you've come in this place needing prayer, do not leave here without having someone pray with you. Don't be ashamed, don't be embarrassed. As soon as they begin to sing, just step out from your seat, come forward, we'd love to agree with you in prayer. If you wanna fill out a prayer card, they're in the seat back in front of you, please fill that card out. It looks just like this one. You can fill this out, drop it in the offering box as you leave today. If you'd like to email us your prayer need, you can do that at prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know what your prayer need is, and we'll agree with you about that. Why don't you stand your feet all over the room? We're gonna worship together one more time before Steph comes and dismisses us. Guys, I love you so much more than you know, and I'm so honored that I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Hey, thank you so much for worshiping with us. I uh, appreciate you making the summit a part of your day. I wanna challenge you. Uh, maybe you're in that place like Habakkuk was, um, where you feel a little bit hopeless, you feel like things are lost. I just wanna encourage you, lock into that prayer, because God's got something amazing for you if you just won't lose hope. Um, if you're watching this today, and Summit is normally your church home, you attend Summit with us, and you worship here in person, that's great. Uh, maybe you just missed today for because you were sick, you were home with a, a baby that's ill, whatever it might be. Um, and that's wonderful, but maybe you're off somewhere. And if you live in some other part of the country, or maybe you don't have a church home, and we are your church home, you watch online, and that's it. I just wanna encourage you, that's not God's best for your life. God wants us to be in a community of believers that we can share our lives with. And if you're off someplace and you don't have that, we wanna help you find that. And so if you're interested in finding a godly church community around you, we're interested in helping you find that. So you can email us at info at summitpa.church and let us know, and we will help you find a godly community for you to get plugged into and for you to worship with. Because again, we are just a supplement to what God's doing in your life. Uh, God wants something more for you than that. So thank you for worshiping with us today. I look forward to seeing you uh, next time we get together to go through our Best Of series. So God bless you. We'll see you soon.